think they got the answers, I change the questions. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Hey everybody, welcome back to Daily Notes presented by Almost Sideways. I am Adam and I'm really excited, not just for this episode everybody, but we are inching closer to October. This year has been crazy. Doesn't seem like it should be October already, but we're so close to the MLB playoffs. We're a couple games away from that starting. NFL is already going into week three already. Really stoked to figure out who is going to win the NBA championship. So many awesome things happening in sports. I wanted to also not just talk about that, but I'll, we're going because we're getting closer to October. I love horror. I feel like it gets overlooked, and especially we haven't done a really a deep dive of a horror film on the podcast yet, so I wanted to start deep diving some horror films for you guys on Daily Notes, and I got my good buddy to come in who really loves the film we're deep diving today, and that is the 1982 classic film called John Carpenter's The Thing, starring Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, just to name a few guys. We'll go into more of the cast in a little bit, but I, my good buddy from San Antonio, Rudy's Movie Reviews, San Antonio's official movie critic, is going to be here. This is one of his favorite horror films of all time, so I'm really excited to pick his brain about this movie because he's seen it a ton more than I have. Let's just stop with this opening and just dive right into this episode and start talking with Rudy. Let's kick this episode off right now, spooky fans. Man, I am so stoked, Rudy, that you are here joining us on this deep dive conversation. But how have you been? You know what, my friend? I have been great. I cannot complain. How, how have you been? It's been a while. <laughs> it has been like 700 years. Probably quarantine has added some time on it, it feels like. But I'm, I'm doing great. I can't complain at all. And, you know, when I was thinking about these starting these horror deep dives, I was like, I got to go with one of my good buddies from YouTube, and also you, you just love this film as well. So I'm like, I have only seen this a few times. We'll talk about that in a second, but I gotta, I gotta get you on the podcast, man. So it's an honor to have you. Well, thank you for having me be on the show, dude. I really appreciate it. And yes, and I love this film. Um, we are talking about the thing, and it is one of my uh, most popular videos on my channel. It's, uh, I've seen it. I deep dived in the material, the director's commentary. So, yes, dude, thank you. I, I, if I get a little excited in this podcast, I may cap like the audio and scream. So, I'm apologizing up front, all right? <laughs> Don't, no need to apologize. This is why I got you on. Uh, quickly, real fast, and this will all be in the notes of the show notes of the podcast. Where can we find you on YouTube and kind of t- uh, in social media as well? Oh, okay. Well, you can find me just on YouTube. You can go to Rudy's Movie Reviews, type that in. I'll be the one guy that comes up and, uh, I call myself uh, self-proclaimed uh, San Antonio's uh, official movie critic. Uh, I do some uh, first-run movies, but I mainly dive in the retro space, producing one video a month on movies that have really impacted me in a great way, movies that I love, and there's a lot of enthusiasm there. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, and uh, I just got on TikTok. I don't know if you've been on TikTok, but that's a pretty addicting platform. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm on there as well, but yeah, under Rudy's Movie Reviews is where you can find me, sir. Nice. Every time I hear TikTok, I always think of Kesha. I forgot about her. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I think right now, because we're recording this for the podcast that's come out this weekend or the weekend of September, you know, September 26th through 28th, whatever. Rudy, your one of your videos is trending tremendously. So you, there might be a, a subscriber watch for you. You might hit 2,000 subscribers while we're recording that, and we'll uh, make sure to... Uh, keep checking on the subscriber count too for you awesome. yeah uh so before we get into the deep dive for the conversation of the thing what kind of movies have we been watching recently rudy what have you been watching you know what i've been in the 80s cheesy horror movie space i got an account with amazon prime and uh shutter right so i've been watching what did yeah. i watch this past weekend uh slaughter high is one of them uh humanoids <laughs> from the deep which were these half fish, half men, you know, mutants that were, believe it or not, like killing dogs and raping women. It was like a horrible movie from the 1980. But wow. I just like watching these cheesy, horrible acting, horrible special effects movies. And that's really what I've been doing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm considering doing a live stream, you know, watch along on uh, Twitch. I'm still learning how to live stream. I, had, I don't know anything about it. 
but I'm considering doing that for the for the Halloween season just to make it fun, right? Why not? Why not? And hey, making live videos is actually a lot easier than editing. So yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> So my quick 30-second review for a film is a 2020 film. It's another horror movie called Rent-A-Pal. Rent-A-Pal stars Will Wheaton, and it's it's actually a pretty cool movie, actually. It's directed by a guy named John Stevenson. It tells a story about this guy who is taking care of his mother who has dementia, and he stays at home with her all the time. And he ha- it's like 1990s time, so instead of online dating, he gets these VHS play, uh, tapes from this company, and he puts him in and takes notes about him, but he can't find anybody to match him. He sees this discount bin at VHS tapes and he found, finds this tape called Rent-A-Pal. And okay. basically he, it's Will Wheaton talking to the, talking to the camera to the person on the other end watching it. And you don't know if he's actually currently like talking because the, our character that we're seeing the whole time is talking to the TV and Will Wheaton responds at the perfect time. It, it's super creepy about loneliness. The ending is super trippy as well. It's a, it's a gr- good like three, three and a half star movie out of four for me. I, I was a big surprise uh, film. It's just one of those movies that I rented on Amazon for like $5 or whatever. And it was definitely worth it. My wife, who usually on some of these weird movies, be on her phone or whatever, she put her phone down and watched the movie with me the whole time, and we were talking about it. So it's and also John Stevenson liked my uh, posts that I did when I uh, on Twitter. So uh, oh, wow. yeah, that yeah. So Rent a Pal is my recommendation for you guys to check out if you're interested in something like that. So awesome. Okay, and I this is where I provide a recommendation as well. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Recommend okay. the movie. Well, you know what? This is what I've had on Shudder. It's called The Color Out of Space. It stars uh, Nicolas Cage and yes. it's directed by Richard Stanley. It's uh, adapted off an H.P. Lovecraft story. And uh, I just love it. A meteor crashes on this family's farm and this meteor, which is like a hot magenta type of color, starts like leaking this life form and it starts infecting the family one by one. Now, it runs a little long. It's about two hours, maybe two and a half hours, but it's got hints of the thing in there where and it's also got hints of like uh, what you call it well the thing when it comes to paranoia and then things being you know transformed into mutants mm, i love okay. it i absolutely love it and of course it has nick cage which him and shia labeouf are my favorite passion actors and what i mean by that is they can <laughs> go from first year to fifth within two seconds of a scene and you know nick cage when he goes on his tirade so there's a nick cage uh scene in there and of course it's a great movie it's well directed uh beautifully if you have a like a 4k a player or a blu-ray player watch it in that and and with that type of format because it just looks beautiful it's suspenseful it can get kind of gross uh nice. okay, okay. Times because i won't give too much away but two family members fuse and it's pretty disturbing they show everything on camera how it happens it's pretty disturbing wow but i loved it it's on <laughs> shutter so again check it out it's called color out of space color out of space okay the yeah. funny thing is we um there's a guy on our podcast, Todd Plucknett. He uh, he he's been doing the random Nick Cage movie of the week. He's a, uh-huh. we're huge Nick Cage fans here, and uh, so he's been reviewing a bunch of Nick Cage movies. So with you recommending a Nick Cage movie without even knowing that he's been doing that, that is fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nick Cage. You just you love it. Mandy's an also good one that came out a couple years ago. I highly recommend that one. Yeah, Mandy's a good one too. Mm-hmm. All right, should we start deep diving the thing? Yes, let's do it. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside. Where no one can see it. Or hear it. Or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can feed one of those things! So let's start off with some trivia, and then we'll start talking about our experiences after with this movie. So, okay, I've only, 
to the viewers at home, I've only seen this movie twice. This is my second time watching it. I know, back, back, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I let you down, I apologize. No, uh, but Rudy, how many times have you seen this, esti- uh, like, your best guesstimate? Oh, about maybe going on 100. I'd say somewhere between 75 and 100, realistically. Real, oh. Man, I, I, I was watching this today, and I was like, why have I not seen this more? This movie is fantastic, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Let's just get into this trivia, shall we? Sure. Okay. Here we go. At the beginning of the movie, there's a helicopter. What are the two words that are written on the helicopter? Oh, God. That had to be. You had to make it hard. Okay. <laughs> uh, not North Pole, not Arctic team, Norwegian team. Oh, God. You know what? I don't know, but I'm going to say something Norwegian outlet or Norwegian team scientific research, something like that. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're super close. Okay. David, David, Keith David's character actually says it too. He says, it's Norge is written on the side of it. Norge. So it, it basically Norwegian. So I'll give you that point. You got one point. Okay. Woo. And then the other word is lock. L-O-K-K is on the side door. Ah, okay. Okay. So enter it. All right, here. What whiskey was Kurt Russell drinking through the majority of the movie? Oh, that was uh, Jimmy Walker. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah. two. There we go. <laughs> All right. So, how many stitches did George receive when he got shot in the leg? Oh, I barely grazed him too. The doc makes a comment about that. Oh, yeah. I think it's under five or under, under ten. Five. Yeah, it's under that. five. Got a number for me? It's under five. Uh, four. Correct. Four. We'll give you that <laughs> one. Awesome. All right. What was the station's call sign? Oh. Good. Arctic research team uh 3p418 i don't remember i don't remember i just remember there's some items but no i give up i, I toss it okay. on that all right us number 31 that's a hard question go. dude i know i well i've you've seen it a lot i was like i'm trying to I'm trying to anyway here we go okay. this will be a oh this is another hard question sorry for the next one's the easier one <laughs> uh, what magazine was Windows reading when he was sleeping when he got woken up by the radio. Oh. It goes by super fast. I was like, I got it. This is so... Okay. That's a tough one. Uh, was it Playboy? No, a photocopy. Photocopy. <laughs> photocopy. <laughs> All right. Um, what weapon did Mac want Childs to bring? Oh, that's the blowtorch. Yeah, the flamethrower. Yeah, we'll give that yeah, one. We'll give that Okay. All right. How, how long has the ship been buried under the ice? How, how long was the spaceship buried under the ice? Don't they roughly, uh, roughly they say? About 100,000 years or something like that? 100,000 years is correct. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! All right. So in the film Seen on Camera, who was the first person to be imitated? Person. First person to be imitated. It was, uh, God, I think it was Peter Malloy. He played uh, Bennings. Bennings is correct. Yep. Bennings <laughs> is correct. Yep. Creepy. Last question. What blood test showed they were a thing? They were imitated. What During the blood test sequence, when they were testing the blood, uh-huh. whose blood tested they were a thing? Oh, God, it, it starts with a. H, I think. Um, let me think. Let me think. It was uh, not Clark, not Gary, not Norris was dead, not Cooper. Uh, I think it was Palmer. Palmer. Palmer is correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. There, awesome. there we go. So I think I counted. I got seven points. I think there was like nine or uh, nine points available for this quiz. I had, I had a weird one. Uh, how many Huskies were in the movie? Oh well, there was one Jed, the main the main actor, but there was uh, in the bin when he goes in there. I think there was maybe a total of five, including Jed. Seven. I counted. I counted seven, but there okay. it's really hard because they were all laying down sleeping. You can barely see some snippets. So, 
roughly. It's close enough. Close enough. But anyway, yeah. Good job, Rudy. Thanks. Good trivia. They're pretty good. Yeah, it was some tricky, tricky questions. So, <laughs> okay, so I said like I've only seen this movie twice, and okay. uh, which you when I brought that up, you're like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking? Only twice. This is a classic. <laughs> It is. It's like one of those that it's in everybody's. If you're a movie lover, everybody knows the uh, the the special effects, uh, the story. It's it's so regarded as one of the. You know, there's not many perfect films out there, but it's regarded as a perfect film. It's suspenseful, and even the practical effects have aged beautifully over what forty. It's been forty year old film. Yeah, it came out in eighty two. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's it's yeah it's uh, you know almost forty years old. So it's 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 beautiful. I just like I said, like I watched it today and was kind of blown away by how amazing this film was. I originally for our website we only do four stars, and I had it at three stars for my first watch. I got to bump that up to four stars now, guys. Um, I was pretty blown away by how in like I'm trying to keep notes at the same time. And if you noticed my trivia question, a lot of those those trivia questions came at the beginning of the movie and I kind of stopped writing cause I was like just in, in <laughs> engrossed in the film. So, but yeah, that movie was, it's great. I wish I would have watched a lot more. I, I've seen Halloween a lot more than this, of course, mm-hmm. but I was like, why did I miss out on the thing? There was some really gross thing, special effects that happened in this movie. Absolutely. I, you know, when I saw it when I was a kid, um, my parents uh, would watch movies and they would tell me, go to the other room. And I kind of hide in the hallway and still watch and listen. Uh, that's how I saw Halloween. And that's how I saw the thing. And uh, they got mad at me. If you have nightmares, we don't want to hear, hear about it. I'm like, okay. So I knew that was a price. But I saw it yeah. as a kid. And I just there's scenes that are just forever burned in my psyche. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've appreciated it a whole lot more. Because I now see it with like, you know, a, a grown-up set of eyes. And appreciate all the little nuances that you know john carpenter and the actors did within this film it's 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 a masterpiece in suspense and paranoia yeah i definitely uh definitely agree with you on that uh what's funny is i always because i was so engrossed in my experience watching it this time that uh during the dog scene which mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about a little bit my daughter somehow snuck in the room oh and right when the uh the dog looked at the camera and his face opened up uh-huh. She she's like ah, and she ran to me and held me. I was like, oh crap! I didn't even realize you were there. Uh, uh, pause. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, you can't watch this. <laughs> wow! And she's only six, so yay, parenting. <laughs> yeah, parent of the year. Yeah, that's gonna be forever burned in her brain now. But let me ask you this: uh, you yeah. said you saw it twice, and the first time was when? Not too long ago, you said. I think it was about a year and a half ago. Probably two, maybe like late 2018, maybe that Halloween time, 2018, roughly. Okay, so not too long. So this is perfect, actually, because you're you're an adult. You know how movies work and how special effects work. What were your thoughts seeing the special effects and all the practical effects on camera in this film? What were your first impressions? I wow, they look so much better than CGI. I could tell you that. Like it looks like something that's actually happening. I do not know how they were able to pull some of that stuff off because we're speaking of that dog sequence. He turns his head and literally like it, like a couple seconds later, it opens up, but it looks like a real dog. It doesn't look like it's fake at all. Right. And then uh, we're doing the heart, the, the clear. And he says the, uh, the chest panels too. that whole sequence with doc and everything mm-hmm. that was crazy. Cause it opened up like so fast, like perfect. It, yeah. 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 It, it's crazy how, but they were able to pull off back in the eighties but now you get like let's I'll just throw this out there. Star Wars: The Phantom Menace hasn't really aged terribly. It's aged terribly because of the special effects, where mm-hmm. like the old Star Wars movies, The Thing, a lot of these movies that have the special effects, like the actual like props, they those are aging beautifully now. And um, so a lot of the special effects they're not because it's not real. The real right. effects, the practical effects. That's the, the practical effects of what I'm look, the word I was looking for. Yeah, and there's like a texture to it. I mean, and you, you have the actors and everybody, they're not reacting to a green tennis ball like, hey, this is a monster. It's trying to kill you. They're actually seeing this special effect, you know, unveil itself and the reactions are real. And I, that's what I love about this film. Um, it's, it's it's timeless. And I wish more movies, and I think some movies are doing a, like a combination of CGI and practical. I think um, revisiting practical is would be a good idea for Hollywood to consider. Yeah, that is very true. I don't, 
like the only I can't understand why they would wouldn't do practical because you're looking at a longevity of a movie. This film came out in 82 and we're still talking about it as a classic flawless, perfect for a four star film, but movies that we can go into theaters like a couple years ago and be like, Oh, that was a great movie, four stars. And you can rewatch it again. Like, Oh, it didn't really age terribly. It's only been a couple years, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's kind of a, a sad thing to think about. Like a lot of these classic movies are, did the, did things right in the, for the longevity of their film. It seems like. I agree. I totally agree. So you said you were a kid when you first watched this. What was your first uh, take on what you were seeing on screen? First take as a kid, you know what? I didn't understand what was going on. I just, when you're a kid, you're just kind of watching and just your, your mind remembers the, the big moments like the monsters and, you know, things yeah. transforming. That's what I remember. I remember my parents reacting to that. I remember finding the dog scene very disturbing because, uh, again, it's, you know, the, it looks really good. And just seeing that one animal being choked with that ton, that tentacle. And then, yeah. you know, um, I think uh, Kurt Russell McCready, he shoots the dog while it's being choked. I remember those scenes really affecting me like, oh, my God, they're, sl- they're killing animals in this movie. And it looked real to me. But yeah. it, 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 it stayed with me. And like I said, as I saw it in, in high school, when I found other people that liked it, we saw it again. And we just started... Uh, appreciate it more especially the acting and the uh, the practical effects and the paranoia that's one thing that i think everybody can relate to these guys are on in the arctic right they're in the the south pole there's no 911 they can't run out the base to go get help because they freeze to death they're by themselves and that isolation i think is what makes this film so unique is that these guys have to defeat this thing and they have to deal with it on their own yeah that is, that's true. And I think that the paranoia really shined through on this next, last rewatch too, because everybody was second guessing each other. There was everybody was pointing fingers, especially one of the, uh, the sequence with Norris, he was right. wanting to kill McCready. And of course we know what happens to him. He actually was one of them and right. no one suspected Norris at all, but he was quickly to point the fingers at other people. So to kind of deviate the, the looks of from him to himself, that is so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So let's jump into our first category here, and that is the highest war performance. It's like a sports term or whatever in baseball, but it's the best performance that you feel is the most most irreplaceable performance out of the cast. Okay. You have one off your head. Which one do you think is like irreplaceable? Well, you're going to kind of find these uh, answers, and again, they're kind of biased. I don't know if you've seen my my video on this, but I have. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a. I'm going to say nobody. Uh, everybody, it, you can't replace anybody. Everybody is perfect in who they are and what they've done. There's not a weak link in the acting. Everybody's completely flawless. The cast from top to bottom, from McCready, Norris, yeah. Kyle, everybody, it, they blend well. And I, in, in my research, I, I found out that uh, uh, John Carpenter said that he had never been on a set where everybody was so prepared to, for the shot he'd go on set and everybody was in their positions in costume ready to deliver the lines and john carpenter would be oh damn i better get the lights up and everything ready to go because these guys are prepared so everybody was so professional and everybody was they're the best so i would say nobody i mean all of them well okay well that's that's that that, that does make sense Every, it was really hard to pick which one was the best because i had like three names down if i had to pick three they, these were the the three that i would go with okay i had of course, Kurt Russell. I think Kurt Russell was electric in this for this role. He brings out a lot of stuff. Yeah, Keith David was another one that I when I think of this movie, I think of Keith David. But the one I want to talk about is Wilford uh, Brimley, Doctor Blair in this the movie. Man. I, yeah, yeah, he was. I've only seen Wilf. I've seen Wilford Brimley in other stuff, but never associated with the name. That's the actor. I was mm-hmm. only did like that. Um, the healthcare medication. There was like this commercial that he was on. Like he was like. Yeah, the diabetes commercial. Yeah, that's the only thing I really knew. I'm like, wait a second, that's the guy from the diabetes commercial. So, <laughs> that's so messed I was up. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's as bad as that sounds, but that's what I associated when I saw him. I realized who that was. I clicked on his name on Letterbox and I saw him with the cowboy hat. I was like, diabetes commercial guy. I know it. <laughs> Wilford Brimley, but yeah, Wilford Brimley for me was fantastic in this movie. I, I love that they thought he was this crazy guy. And mm-hmm. eventually, it, like it, that's kind of hard thing. Was he all? Was he one of the first people to be turned into this? Was he the first person to be imitated, or was he imitated? Or was he imitated at? What do you think? 
Well, I mean, he's pretty, I think he's imitated after the fact because he's doing those studies and, you know, calculating the, uh, the time it would take for a full infection over the world without those old 1980s, you know, graphics, you know, consumption takes, you know, 30, 30 minutes and the population of the world will take seven days, you know, to be consumed. So I don't know. I think it's uh, somewhere I can't really pinpoint when it happens, but uh, I, I agree with you. Brimley um, or his character, I'm sorry, is um, what's Dr. Brimley? Blair. Dr. Yeah, Blair. Blair. Uh, he's he's one of the best. And again, in the commentary, everybody holds him to a high regard. Everyone says the same thing. He's one of the coolest guys you've ever met. He's actually a legit cowboy. And <laughs> the one scene where they bring the thing into the medical lab and he's doing the autopsy. Uh, he said everyone was saying that he felt at home because he gets deer all the time. So he's like, let me show you guys how it's done. That's not special. <laughs> that's awesome. You know how to cut, you know, this thing that they build is no, no, that's not how you do it. Let me show you. So he's on camera, you know, just he's, he's done this before. So he couldn't wait to dive in and show everybody. I know what I'm doing, but a uh, funny story. Uh, the actor who played um, Thomas White's a uh, windows. Uh, windows. Yeah. Yeah. I met him two years ago at a Comic-Con. There was like a war. He was also in the Warriors. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it was like a Warriors reunion. And I met him. And I go, sir, I've done a lot of research on the thing. And I only have one question for you about your experience. He's like, what's that? I go, how cool is Wolford Brimley? And he started laughing. So he started laughing because I think he thought I was going to ask him a question about the thing. Like, hey, why is the thing so timeless? And, you know, what are your thoughts on the thing? Did you think it was going to be a big thing? Like that cliche question. And uh, when I asked him about Brimley, his face lit up and he just started laughing. And he just kept saying he's the coolest man you'll ever meet. And when you work with him, you learn so much about, you know, the Hollywood and he becomes like a best friend of yours. And he said everybody was friends after that film. But Brimley was like the captain of everybody. So he's like a friend <laughs> of life and that good of a person. That's awesome. That's, that's Hearing stories like that is really cool uh, to hear about because it's, you know, I haven't really seen Windows in too many things, and probably if I do more research on it, I probably would. But knowing that that one guy, Wilford Brimley, just like connected everybody into cast and became really good friends, that's that's really cool to hear stories like that because sometimes you hear about like actors with beef like on screen, they have to do this and they absolutely hate each other. But mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these people actually worked on the similar movies again. Like there's a couple of people from Requiem, Requiem for a Dream was appeared in this movie. Keith David was one of them. There's another guy too um, who was in there that I was noticing. Kurt Russell played in a bunch of John Carpenter movies as well. And they all kind of overlapped their filmography. So that's really cool that they all kind of stuck together because of their friendship from the thing. Yeah, there was a cohesive bond on that set. And uh, everybody kept saying on the commentary that, it was they've never really had that bond, that brotherhood bond before ever in any other film they worked on. They made friends here and there, but they said from the cast, uh, the crew, the director, everybody involved on this movie just became friends for life. And uh, they, they're all friends to this day. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so we're going to move on to our next category, and that is the least uh, the worst performance, the worst performance. Uh, obviously I think I have an idea where you're going to go with this. No one, right? <laughs> Nobody dude. It's a flawless film. Yeah, I know. I saw the questions. I'm like, Ugh. and I was trying to nitpick a character, but I can't because it's too perfect of a film. <laughs> that is true. How about, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw, could we, we have to say somebody, I have to say one of the Norwegian guys at the beginning, the guy who drops the grenade. That's the guy who has the worst performance. Yeah. Who stole that guy. drop grenade. <laughs> Let's go with him. You know, he was a horrible shot and couldn't kill the the dog. The dog running. <laughs> the dog was clearly standing still. He couldn't even he, the, the grenade that he drops in the plane to kill the dog is is like hundred yards away. Not even, he totally misses it. What a bad performance. <laughs> really nitpicky there. Okay, let's just go to our favorite minor character. A lot of the cast is pretty prominent, but who's like if it's not like Kurt Russell, Keith David, or Wilford Brimley, who what character would you say is that? That's one of my favorites. You know what it is. You want to hear it. Yes, it's sir. Jed the dog. The Jed dog, the dog. Jed the dog, he deserves accolades. You know, he is, the, in my opinion, the finest animal canine actor that we've ever had on cinema because how this dog walks up to his markers, pauses in certain scenes. There's that one hallway scene where he's walking, and he does everything he's supposed to. He walks down the hallways, cautious. He looks suspicious. He stops, and then he goes into this room and infects whoever was in that room. We don't know who it is because it's just a silhouette. But that dog, that canine, by far is my favorite minor character in this film. Without him, I think the film won't work. <laughs> That's true, man. That dog is fantastic. I, I love He's that amazing. dog. He's amazing. I thought also, out of all the cast, I think one of the 
like the most like this guy seems totally out of place on this research facility. That's Palmer, but he's awesome. Like <laughs> Palmer's yeah. pretty funny guy, man. Like that guy's like he's like sitting there with his headphones. He'll like take him off, put put his two cents out there, then put it back on. He's like wearing a leather jacket. It seems like or now like a vest or whatever. Just mm-hmm. yeah, just leaning back, just hanging out <laughs> at the, this research facility. <laughs> nice. Um, let's see here. Of course, I, we have this category too that you brought up a Nick Cage movie. We're talking about Nick Cage. If they remade, or if what character would Nick play? Nick Cage play in this movie if they remade it exactly the same, but Nick Cage was in in the role. Who would oh, Nick Cage play? My choice was Blair. I would love to see because Blair has that one scene where he's kind of destroying the computer room. He was like, we ain't going nowhere. That thing wants to go to the world. I would see I would love to see Nick Cage just go full Nick Cage and just yeah. destroy the room and just go crazy and have like a crazy moment. So that would be my pick. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest like freak out moment of the film is the the Dr. Blair sequence. I also thought of like he would be kind of cool as like laid back Palmer. He's like, yeah. I don't really belong here. And he's just kind of just like hanging out and it's like doing this like kind of like a con air kind of impersonation, like the really low key type of performance. Mm-hmm. But I, when you say Dr. Blair, it's clearly Dr. Blair. You want, you don't want to see Nick Cage just like hanging out. You want to see Nick Cage destroying stuff, freaking out. <laughs> and exactly. that's, that's who you want to see. Yeah. Dr. <laughs> Blair's good call. All right. Uh, how about biggest douchebag there? What's like, I think this was hard for me to come up with because I think for biggest douchebag, I think at times, because it's talking about paranoia, they're all kind of douchebags in their own right at, at certain moments. Right. Right. And you know what? I couldn't come up with one, but if I could, it's going to be the actual organism, the thing for being a douchebag <laughs> and killing everybody. <laughs> That's Yeah. Come on. Organism. who has been, he's been embodied embalmed in ice for like a hundred thousand years. Like how dare you come how on. You try to survive. <laughs> yeah just die already come on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh looking back at the movie the movie is such an iconic thing it's, every piece like really flows really well but if you had to pick like one sequence one scene what's your favorite like just scene in general from the movie it's the blood test scene because if you notice hell the- yeah there's no, it's done right. And I wish, uh, I know a lot of Hollywood directors are like revisiting how to build tension. I love how this scene has no music, no score. All you hear is the ambient sound of the snow. Everybody's tied up. And, you know, all you really hear is that because everyone's breath is being held to see what the reaction of the test is. And there's McCready. And when that copper wire hits the blood, there's a relief in the air. I love the tension of that scene and also love the, the jump scare. Which I yeah. wish they would do more jump scares that way because you, we know the hand is holding that little dish of blood. He does a couple of tests just to set the stage on that that shot, but then that thing jumps out and you don't expect it. That's and that's the perfect jump scare for a horror movie. There's no like crash of audio, like music or cue or singers just to help us get scared. We're legitimately scared of that scene. And that's one of my, one of my favorite scenes really in all of horror. It's perfectly done and perfectly acted, dude. Yeah. Cause you're not, you know, we're obviously dropping some spoiler bombs for you guys, but you're not thinking it's Palmer at all. Right. That You don't think it's Palmer. You're thinking it's the, uh, the, the, the head guy, the guy with the keys. Cause he, there's, they had that sequence set up before where the blood, the, 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 the blood, the fresh blood in the cabinet, that was open mysteriously that the lock wasn't tampered with who had the keys. They're talking about the keys and the one guy who had the keys, that's the guy you think is going to have the blood test go off on, but it wasn't. And that's what the beauty of that sequence. Exactly, dude. That's all of that. Let me ask you this again. You just saw it a a couple years ago. Uh, Quick. Hold on a second. We got some breaking news. Oh no. What? (laughs) Really? Check your YouTube channel, bro. Okay, I'm checking right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. It says 1997 on my 97. That's what it says on my uh, actual, like, studio, but on my channel channel, it says 2K. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So let's. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm almost there. I'm like four away. I'm four away. There we go. So it, it's it's I'm like the YouTube channel on the on the, the phone from the the app says 2K. So I was like, wait, hold up, we gotta do the Flash Gordon song. There we go. 
<laughs> we'll do an update. Just keep fresh and refreshing your YouTube channel. 1997 is where I'm at. Holy crap, I can't believe this. I'm going to hit 2,000. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so what was the question you were about to ask me, buddy? Oh, the jump scare, that whole blood uh, blood test scene. You just saw this film again um, just like a couple years ago. So again, as oh, I kind of envy you in a way, man, because you know you're brilliant. You know how films work. You know how you know, stories and special effects work. And for you to see this beautiful movie with some of the most horrific things ever as an adult i envy that so yeah. how did you react when that blood test reacted to the copper wire and that alien jumped out all right so like i said like i i do remember this sequence not entirely but i thought still watching the movie again i was clearly thinking it was not palmer like mm-hmm. i did not think it was was going off when it did so i'm watching it like okay that guy yep yep it's not, it's gonna be the last guy it's going to be the last guy they test. That's who it's going to be. It's going to be a big shock. And it wasn't. It, and I was just like, whoa. I, I kind of like popped me out of my chair a little bit. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Because yeah. it was building for me too. And I've only, like I said, like only twice a couple of years ago. So I remember it, but didn't. And I loved it. That was like, I was like, that was, that's a sequence that I put down as my favorite scene of the movie as well. You too. Was this blood test sequence. Also, if I, because I kind of feel like if Rudy has this sequence as his favorite scene, the opening of the movie when you first see Kurt Russell, he's drinking his uh, his whiskey, he's playing chess master, which was the game. I was going to ask you a question: What game was he was he playing? Uh-huh. Uh, chess master on his computer, and he's like rook to this move here, and the computer is saying what move he went to as well, and then all of a sudden the computer beats him, and he pours his whiskey into the computer, and he says cheating bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's great i love that <laughs> that whole sequence that's another one of my favorite scenes i think too it's like that little like little very little dialogue but that's just the reaction the overreaction of just pouring the whiskey it's like now no one gets to play i'm the ultimate winner right there and like what better introduction for a character if you want to know what type of person they are like he lost to a chess match and we know that he just destroyed a computer and called the computer a lying cheating bitch <laughs> yeah that's perfect, man. It's like it's it you could and it's also Kurt Russell delivering the lines too. It's like, of course, that's what Kurt Russell would do no matter what. Yeah. Yep, that's him. He's 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 amazing, man. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. So, uh talking about crazy sequences, we kind of alluded to some of them in the blood test sequence, but deaths. There's some great horrific deaths in this one with a lot of great practical effects here. There's only like there's only like a handful of deaths that weren't by this uh this alien, this thing. Obviously, mm-hmm. they had the uh, the two guys that came in, the Norwegian helicopter guys. They came up, one blew themselves up, the other one got shot by. I can't remember the guy's name. It was like the head honcho guy. But and then mm-hmm. also uh, you got uh, McCready shooting one of them in the forehead too. One of our the the, the guys, um, the guy who they suspected Clark. I think it was his name. Was it Clark? The big yeah, guy, kind of like, like the dog guy. The dog guy. Yeah, I like him too. He played that that character well. <laughs> Yeah, he he was. I thought he for for a while was one of the creepy guys too, because I, I like one of the the imitator guys. So it was cool to see like, well, now he's a murderer. Kurt Russell murdered him, but uh, that was interesting to see that later. But uh, if we're talking about deaths, man, like there was two that for me that really kind of like solidified this movie. Like this was fantastic. We got mm-hmm. we got to talk about the dog sequence, but the one I'm going to talk about is the Doc Norris sequence. Uh, there's two deaths that this one happened. Uh, Norris gets, gets like pushed up against like Kurt Russell comes back to this thing. They think it's her and what he pushes uh, Norris back into this wall and he, somehow he stops breathing mm-hmm. and uh, they, they start doing the, 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 the chest paddles on clear. They do it the one they show the one time they do it and then they go back for another one, but from a different angle and all of a sudden this giant mouth opens up in the guy's stomach and eats the uh, doc's hands and like mm-hmm. kills both of them. And he starts transforming. Mm-hmm. Wow. What like that was perfect. Cause it looked flawless when it was, um, on the on screen that the grotesque like gore that they were able to do like the manipulation of the different bones and uh this weird creature having like a big old face out of the side of his head like it was it's crazy like the the practical effects the the creatures they were able to create in this this sequence here i know and that whole sequence took like two weeks to make um oh wow i didn't know that yeah it took forever because when the contraption opens up and the hands go in what they did is they found an actor who looked like doc who was an amputee. He didn't have arms. So what they did is they created arms wow. with a uh, wax center and like a jelly mold around the, the bone. So the hands that go through that, that's the actor with no arms. And when it closes, 
they had him pull up so it can kind of rip the skin and rip the actual dummy dummy arms. And they actually have a shot, which is like maybe a two, three seconds. I think it's actually two seconds of Doc with screaming with his hands in the air after they've been cut off. That's the actual actor who, with the amputeed arms, they made a mold of Doc's face and had him put it on so they can get that shot of Doc, quote unquote, screaming with no arms. So that was like that whole sequence, the time and effort it took just to get it. What, like five seconds of film, but the planning and all the imaginative ways to get it done. Dude, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, man. I just appreciate that type of filmmaking. Well, I hadn't, I would never in a million years would have guessed that I was an amputee guy and that the, the, the way they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, that makes me want to go back and rewatch that again. <laughs> yeah, d- dude, like uh, if you get a chance, I, had, I bought the Steelbook Blu ray of uh, the thing, it's got a 4K remastered. They have updated uh, commentary with Car- with Carpenter and uh, Kurt Russell. I highly suggest, like, once you've seen it enough times, watch it with that audio and just kind of listen to them talk about the film. There's a lot of like, ooh, and ahs, I didn't know that. It's it's brilliant. Just they're giving a lot of information. They're just not rambling about stuff. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I I don't own this movie. I oh. will be buying it. I, I rented it off Amazon today, but I will be going and getting that 4K restoration. Uh, blu-ray for it or that just sounds fantastic i i after watching i was like this is something i have to own in my collection anyway so this is great yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, what's your favorite death other Uh, than this one that we talked about other than that oh my god i'd have to say um it's uh i think peter malloy's death when he was in that frozen room and windows comes in and he's kind of like wrapped up in goo and that you see his body there and he hasn't had time to change, so they meet him outside, and he just kind of looks at everybody, and he's got that wicked hand, and he's just like, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the, their first teammate, the first person to be consumed and to turn into the thing. They're all there looking at that, so I think that's where the paranoia begins. I think that's where, like, the, the fear starts, and that's one of my favorite deaths is that scream he lets out. I remember as a kid, that scared me, and you ever been so scared you have that pain in your chest? Like, oh, I'm- yes. <laughs> That's what I felt when he screamed when I first saw that scene. So that would be my one of my favorite deaths there. Yeah, that was the death of what was it, Binnings, right? Binnings is the, um, the first one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Binnings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. That was a that was a cool that was a cool reveal too because he he's running clearly running away and it's like the two different brains. Like, is he running away because he is this? He's well, actually no. I, actually, as I'm as I'm saying that, I already know the answer. It's the, the imitation running away so they don't catch him so he can quickly transform into this his, his full being. Right, right. And you know, one interesting tidbit that I discovered uh, while doing my research for the film is that the actors, when they were on set and they go, oh, okay, so-and-so is the thing, great. And they, like Per Russell was saying, okay, like there's a lot of discussions, like, okay, you're the thing. How do I play that? They went to John Carpenter. How do I play that? Do I play like I know I'm infected? Or do I play like my character not knowing I'm infected? And they're like, that's a good question. And that's kind of like a scary feeling. Imagine if this thing were real, so to speak. You don't know you're infected until it surfaces, which has yeah. got to be the most terrifying thing you can imagine. Just like your body just changing, like what the hell's happening? So John Carpenter said, just do what you think's best. So a lot of the guys approached it like they didn't know they were infected until like Blair, you know, was building the ship and all those other things. But the other transformations, they just said they just played it like normal. They were they were not infected until it happened. Isn't that isn't that kind of scary? That is scary. And you, I, as I'm thinking, you're saying this palm the Palmer transformation during the blood test sequence. That clearly is that that's what happens right there because he's playing like I'm not the guy. Why am I being tied up? Type of thing. Right. And then he starts just like uncontrollably shaking, and then his his tra- that transformation is crazy. And then Windows gets killed by uh, Palmer in that. No, well more or less he gets infected by Palmer infects windows at that sequence too. Yeah. And, he bites him in that dummy scene. That's the kind of the silly part right there is that, that whole dummy sequence right there. <laughs> yeah. That, that was kind of, I was like, Oh my goodness. But what, a, but just take away from the film. It's like, it, it makes sense that the, the, the imitation would have done that, but to defend himself, but still, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that was, that's a great, uh, great sequence. And knowing that it's just kind of makes you want to go back and like who actually knew who played it the best uh, way as well so i guess what else do we have here uh what kind of gripes uh, looking back on this film after it's been 82 this is 2020 what kind of, do you have any gripes like little small nitpicks flaws anything that didn't age really well uh, you know when what? you're re-watching it 
I will say this, because again, it's a flawless film, but the only nitpick that I have is the death of Fuchs. Um, we don't see anything. All we see are his glasses crumbled in the snow. So we don't know what, what happened to him or where he went. It's just like uh, the power goes out and he sees a silhouette go by the door. He goes, really, who's that? And he goes out there with the, with the lighter and he walks off and that's it. We don't hear anything from Fuchs again. We just find his glasses in the snow. I, it, I love it because I love it and hate it at the same time because I love it because it leaves me to imagine what happened to him. And that's really what you need. That's really the secret ingredient with horror. Don't show too much on camera. Let the audience kind of picture something in their brain. So that's one thing. But then not seeing it or having any uh, resolution on the outcome, that would be my only nitpick. And that's a, I'm picking really hard, <laughs> if that makes sense yeah. on that. Yeah, that, that's, I actually, that's a good point, too, because they kept on mentioning Fuchs and Fuchs this, Fuchs that. But at the same time, I was like... Hold on. Hold on. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. 2002. I did it. Woo! There we go. Congratulations, Rudy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Whoa! I did it. Finally. Five years. Okay. I'm done. I'll let it out. I'm good. <laughs> I love you, man. That's that's awesome, dude. That's just pure. That's pure euphoria, right there. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I have the biggest smile on face. Yes! Yeah, camera, too. You're on Instagram Live right there. You got that live. I actually turned it off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could, we could step that out and you can play it on your YouTube. There you go. There you go. There you go. But yeah, I'm glad, you know what? I'm glad I was sharing this moment with you, dude, because you've been there since the beginning when I had like 100 subscribers and, you know, You've been there, man. So you know what I've been through, and I appreciate it. Yeah, you. exactly. Well, that's I'm honored to be a part of this with you. That this moment. So that's awesome, dude. I'm really, I'm really stoked for you, dude. Uh, oh, by the way, your uh, your Kevin Nash video, at least right now, on my side is two hundred eight thousand views. Two hundred eight thousand views with wow. three thousand likes. Three thousand likes. Wow. And you know, I, I'll share this little YouTube tidbit because I've never made money on this platform. So this is the first video that I've ever had go. I don't want to say viral, but it's up there. So just to give you pers some perspective, 212,000 views is what I have for this video, right? It's yeah. two minutes long, and I've made $328 on this video. Yeah. <laughs> I've never That's made great. money. So I'm like, hey, oh, okay, it's like a penny a dollar or a every view is a cent, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but, it's like uh, every, th every thousand views, you get a certain takeaway from it. Yeah, and I know there's all these other tiers, but like, hey, there you go. I thought I'd throw the little factoid in case any of your viewers or YouTubers and up and coming and just want some reference. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're talking about gripes and flaws. Okay, what was yeah. his name? Fuchs, right? Fuchs? Yeah. So looking back at this film now, that's the one character. I was like, who the heck's Fuchs? <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't picture in my head who it was at all. And of course I clicked the letterbox to see who the act who what actor was playing Fuchs. He's mm -hmm. the only one in the cast that didn't have a picture. Oh really? Oh well, that's yeah, crazy. no no picture. So it even left my mind even creepy. Uh, creepy, that's not a word. Creep it I was more creeped out. There, there we go. <laughs> I was more creeped out, not knowing who it actually was. <laughs> I got to do an impression real quick. Uh, um, this is McCready talking to the crew, asking about Fuchs. Ready? Yeah. Anybody seen Fuchs? The generator Anybody? went out. Can you hear it? Yeah, good. Okay, here we go. Like, Don't respond. Let me just go ahead. Anybody seen Fuchs? The generator went out an hour ago. Any one of us could have got to him. And seen. <laughs> Anybody could have got to him. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, so not, not many gripes for me or flaws. You know, like, obviously, like, outdated, like, computers and stuff like that but that's all like you're, you're talking about the 80s type of stuff so mm -hmm. you can't really nitpick too much on that but the, like i said like i posted on twitter today like the practical effects man the effects hold up they look legit like pretty fantastic especially hearing little tidbits from your saying like getting the amputee guy to really kind of like pull those arms off to the dog sequence the the different kills here definitely played off some really cool horror like not tropes, but like really good, like top tier horror kills for me. Yeah, and if I can just share this with you, a little other fact toy I learned. Yeah, when, help. when share it, came away. Out, it came out two weeks after uh, after ET, 
So this movie bombed. Critics hated it. Like if Roger Ebert and folks said this was like a uh, a gore fest, like uh, and people were just disgusted with it. Like there was a lot of people who left during that dog the wolf scene when the dogs are being killed and consumed. People left the theater. They were offended and it, it bombed. And it also coincides, in my opinion, that around that same time they mentioned the commentary is the virus AIDS was surfacing around that. Oh, wow. Wow. And the nation was under this paranoia like, hey, there's this disease out there. We don't know how it started. We don't know how you can get it because back then they thought you could, if you shook hands with somebody or were in the same space, you can get infected with AIDS because we knew nothing. So there was a paranoia about a disease throughout the nation in 1982. And then this film comes out tied, you know, with a similar topic about a, 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 this infection, this thing that would infect you. So yeah. a lot of people just didn't want to see that because it was too close to home. Wow. That's a, hearing those little tidbits, man, just makes the movie like that much more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, as of right now, um, I'll share this too on our almost sideways page, you know, I only gave, like I said, only the thing three stars, but this has definitely moved up after this rewatch. And this 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 podcast episode has also made me love this movie even more. This has to be close to like top three level, uh, probably my top three level like uh, movies of that year. I think mm -hmm. E.T. is number one. I think, is that the, oh my goodness, I can't, now I'm drawing a blank what year other uh, movies come out. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, you know, E.T. number one, I think it's Blade Runner. Blade Runner number two, and then the, the thing has to be number three for me. Oh my god! Poltergeist came out that same year. Creep Show, First Blood, Tron. Oh my god! There's so many great movies. Wrath Conan of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Oh yeah, man! Oh, it, it's amazing. You look back at these years, and there's so many great hits in in every one of these years. The Dark Crystal as well. Friday Thirteenth Part Three. Fast Times at Richmond High. You got Halloween 3, which is kind of, I really, I think that's underrated a horror film. Um, I, I, I like that one. Yep. Yeah. Tootsie also is another big uh, one with Dustin Hoffman. Rocky 3. There's a lot of good movies in that that year. And uh, I think my top, I, I love my top three right now. E.T., Blade Runner, and The Thing. I think that's a super top three. So You know what? I have to admit something. I've never seen the original Blade Runner. Wow. Okay, so uh, I'll have you back on so we can deep dive Blade Runner. <laughs> okay, but I do love Blade Runner 2049. I think that was probably my pick for best film of the last decade. I loved it. I That's love a, it's great film. I, yes. Love that film too. Uh, if you watch Blade Runner, do not watch the director's or theatrical cut. Watch the final cut. That's the better cut. That's the only cut you should watch, by the way. The other ones are kind of unwatchable. Okay. The final cut. So You got it. Uh Okay, last couple, two glass categories here. We'll wrap this up, this the thing conversation up. Least valuable player in this. What's the, who's the least valuable player of this whole movie? It could be on camera actors, behind the camera. It could be something super weird. That's this is what mine is. I have a super like it's it's funny. I think I think it's funny. Okay, really for me, I you know I've already spoke you know flawlessly of how I love the cast and everybody. I would say the least uh, valuable player is the spaceship Blair was building. Because if you're trying to convince me that he built that with a helicopter, you you, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's so unimpressive. But I get the whole thing. It's sci-fi. But that would be my pick. The spaceship that Blair was building to escape Earth. <laughs> yeah. And, and he dug that trench uh, underneath the his little his little jail cell type of thing. How did that happen? How did that the timeline what's the timeline on that you know that's what i was thinking too so yeah that makes sense okay so my least valuable player nobel peace prize dreams so <laughs> it's, a, it's a line of dialogue that bending says uh window says why don't we just burn these like the the rest of them and bending says that's somebody's that's somebody's nobel peace prize right there so kids if you have a nobel peace prize dreams throw them away burn them because it has to deal with aliens. You're going to get taken over by them. That's what my that's my that's my least valuable player. Nobel Peace Prize dreams. Well, now I get it. Thanks for explaining that. There we go. It's super like that's one line of dialogue. I couldn't think of anything, so I was like, "That's that that might be funny. We'll we'll play that off." <laughs> uh, so, at most valuable player for the movie. It's that's I'll start off this one easy for me. Special effects, the practical effects. We talked so much about this. The effects designer for this movie was top-notch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was his name again? Say it again. Uh, Rob Botton. 
Rob Botton. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's the MVP of the movie for me. Easy. This movie would be horrible if it was like, you know, not practical effects. Right. And to add to your point, uh, he actually had, he suffered exhaustion. He was working so tired, tirelessly to make this work. He was really doing it on his own that they actually called Stan Winston to help him with the special effects sequence with the wolves were all merging. And we saw all those kind of like hands, eyeballs, uh, that whole sequence of the wolves. Uh, Stan Winston was helping him with that sequence because he he exhausted himself and his works has stood the test of time, man. He's he's an amazing guy. That's awesome. That's a, another fun little tidbit there. Who is your MVP? Oh, John Carpenter, the director himself, because he didn't want to do this film. Uh, this was his first major studio film. He had done Halloween and they gave him, hey, we want you to do a remix. And they made him do the thing. But just, you know, you know how remakes go. We hate remakes for the most part. There's hardly ever uh, circumstances where a remake supersedes the original and becomes a classic, right? I mean, how many can we honestly name? But the fact that he made this film, he built the tension, the lighting, the suspense, the isolation, and the score. The score is, it's like less is more. It's just a tone and a bass, like a heartbeat. He yeah. really just was the um, the maestro in just collecting all these talents and making a, a a masterpiece, man. So he is my choice for MVP, Mr. John Carpenter. John Carpenter himself. Okay, a little ignorance. I didn't know this was a remake. Yeah, it, the the film came out in 1956. It's called The Thing from Outer Space by Winchester Films. Ooh, wow, The Thing from Outer Space. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna write that down now. The Thing from Outer Space. There we go. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, I, could, I think of, two, well, now knowing that this is a remake, I could think of three movies that are better than the original. Well, actually two, but uh, Thing the Thing, this movie, Scarface with Al Pacino, yeah. and then uh, The Departed. The, but the, the Eternal Affairs is really good, too. So it's not really like that one's better, but The Departed was another one. But yeah, it's really tough. How I many remakes are better than the original? Oh, you know what? The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, okay, that's a good one too. But I love the Vincent Price fly. Like those two are like they're so amazing. I love both those films. Help me! Help me! That talk about a sequence that really freaked me out when he's stuck in that web and he's saying that that freaked me out. That, that's a good like for that. Anyway, that's the fly. This is the thing. Let's let's finish up this conversation. Our last little step, pit stop here before we wrap up. What's our quote of the day? So it could be from this movie. It could be for something else. What do you have? It's going to be from this movie. Can I curse on your podcast? I will. Yeah, you can curse. I just have to bleep it out. So you're okay, good. but it's by the character uh, Gary after the test has been completed and he shows that uh, he's not infected. He yells, "I'd rather not spend the rest of the winter tied to this fuck couch." <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, so mine mine is uh, from Palmer in this movie as well. The Childs, Childs, Chariot of the Gods. They practically own South America. I mean, they taught the Incas all they know. <laughs> and I think that just <laughs> yeah. Like, and, I, and I think we've learned a lot from the Incas as well, and how to podcast and make YouTube videos. So it kind of describes us. <laughs> really reaching, but <laughs> that's funny. That's good, man. Uh, good dude, this yeah, this is good. This has been a freaking fun conversation, dude. This movie is fantastic. I might go watch it again right now. Yeah, please do, man. Like I said, uh, it's one of the classics. And like I said, I just showed my kids recently the thing um, last year, and we saw it again this when I bought the uh, 4K restoration. I'll send you a photo of what the steel case looks. And if you're going to buy a physical copy, this will be the physical copy you have to buy, okay? So I'll send it to you after we're done here. But it's it's an amazing film, dude. And you always find little gems um, within the film that you didn't see before. Yeah, that is true. I love when movies do that because that just makes the rewatch it makes it more rewatchable. So, and if I can tell your your listeners that if you like what you heard here, check out my my thing review. It's on my channel. It's it's got like twenty seven thousand views right now. It's my most popular one. The, the conversations in the comments are people that love the film. So, if you'd like to learn more about the thing and all this behind the scenes stuff, go check out my video on my YouTube channel. 
Absolutely. And I will also, to help make it even easier for you guys, I'll link that video in the show notes. So check out the details section of the video or this podcast and you can click on that link. So definitely watch that. So uh, let's let's quickly wrap it up, Rudy. What, uh, where can we find you on YouTube and social media? Good, sir. Uh, Yeah. Like I said, uh, just go to YouTube uh, under, just type in Rudy's movie reviews. Or you can type in San Antonio's Movie Critic, and I'll pop up there. And then within my channel, I have all the links to uh, – I'm on Instagram. I'm playing with TikTok, and I'm also on Facebook. And I'm really not on Twitter right now. I'm trying to stay away from Twitter. But all my social media links are there, but I'm primarily working on my YouTube channel. It's really growing. Like I said, I just hit 2,000 subscribers live on your show, so that's pretty cool. And uh, it's really getting a lot of traffic. So come by, subscribe, and uh, leave some comments so I can reply. Absolutely. And I will I will recommend you watch a couple videos, guys. Watch his thing video. Watch his Selena video as well. That's another one of my favorites. It's the Selena's. <laughs> That's a good one. It's good stuff. All right. So usually we end this with a like a sound bite, a, a song, but because I have my good my good friend, the Superman of YouTube. We're gonna play, we're gonna end this uh, Rudy here. We're gonna end this with the Superman theme song. So thank you guys so much for listening. Till next time, we will see you later.